Dr. Mike here. You know, profiling isn't all bad, especially when it comes to cancer cells. Stay tuned to learn more about it. This is Live Forever-ish with Michael A. Smith, MD. Here's Dr. Mike. All right, so my guest is Dr. Robert Nagorny. He's the founder and director of the Nagorny Cancer Institute, an accomplished research and testing lab personalizing cancer treatments for global patients. Dr. Nagorny is also the author of the book Outliving Cancer. Dr. Nagorny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your cancer center, the Nagorny Cancer Institute. Well, this is a uh, research and clinical center where we use each patient's own cancer cells removed directly from their body at the time of surgery to craft a treatment that is unique to their individual cancer. Yeah, and that's what, and that's the terminology, what, what is it, uh, functional profiling, right? So tell us a little bit about how did you go down this direction? I mean, where, where did, you know, where were we and where are we headed, headed with cancer diagnosis and treatment with this type of functional profile? Well, we believe that cancer is <clears throat> more complicated than its genes, and we have become interested in the uh, prospect of studying cancer biology at the level of the cell. So we perfected a technique to isolate cancer patient cells in aggregates that we call organoids. And these can reproduce the conditions of the patient's own tumor, but in a test tube environment. Using these organoids or microaggregates, we expose the cells to drugs and combinations, targeted agents, immune therapies, metabolomic agents, and we follow the cells to see if we can cause cell death, something called programmed cell death, one form of which is apoptosis. When we can see that in the test tube, we have a very good chance of getting the patient better with that drug. Yeah, so just to, so I can recap for the audience, you're basically taking the cancer cells from the patients, you put them into a test tube, and then you throw at these cancer cells who are able to kind of aggregate together and start acting like that tumor, right? You start throwing at them different types of potential treatments to see which treatment is going to be the best for that cancer and, and, and that in that patient. Is that kind of a nice summary? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's precisely what we do. We craft a treatment unique to that patient's need. So if a patient were to come to you, tell us a little bit about this whole process then. You know, when they come see you, what actually happens? When do you actually harvest these cells? Just kind of run through that process a little bit. Sure. Patients arrive from all over the world. We meet them initially to review their uh, studies, their CAT scans and their PET scans. We're looking for sites of tissue that can be easily biopsied. Some patients, it might be fluid. In other patients, it might be a lymph node. Other patients may have to undergo uh, laparoscopic procedures, uh, biopsies of the liver, to provide us about a cubic centimeter, more or less, of living cancer. Once we get that sterile and fresh from the body, we disaggregate or pull those apart into these clusters and the clusters themselves have blood vessels and immune cells and all of the features of the patient's own cancer reproduced in the test tube. At that point, with the tissue biopsy in hand, my laboratory staff under sterile conditions create drug combinations unique to that patient's tumor. If it's pancreas cancers, then we look at platinums and gemcitabine. If it's a colon cancer, we look at oxaliplatin and 5-FU and, and so forth for all the cancers. And we match the patients against the best drugs that we can find in the test tube environment. If we can achieve a good 
cell kill result, if the cells are dying as a result of the exposures, then they have a better than twice as good a chance of responding to that drug. And that's been published. Yeah. No, that's the point. I think I want to make sure my listeners understand that, number one, this truly is, in in a sense, personalizing that treatment for that that patient's cancer. Even though you have one patient with prostate cancer and you have another one with prostate cancer, those cancers can act very differently in each person, right? So moving from just a real general way of treating that, you're really moving into personalized cancer treatment. And if you do, as you said, get a good kill in that in that test tube with whatever drug that was, you're going to improve the clinical outcome, and that's what we all want. Is that's kind of the the gist of it all? You mentioned it was published too. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we've published extensively. I think it's very important for people to be able to rely on the scientific literature, and we have dozens of published peer reviewed experiences. We've published studies in breast cancer, in leukemias, in uh, gynecologic malignancies, both ovary, many papers in ovarian cancer, lung cancer. In addition, we completed something known as a meta-analysis. And what a meta-analysis is, is it takes all of the papers we've published, pulls them all together, and in aggregate looks at the performance of the tests. So in this study that we reported a few years ago, over 2,500 peer-reviewed published outcomes were put together and we analyzed how well we could predict outcomes. It turns out in that meta-analysis reported the American Society of Clinical Oncology, it turns out that we had a two-fold, actually a 2.04-fold higher response rate, and that's P.001, which is highly statistically significant, and also a 44% improvement in one-year survival, again significant at P equal to 0.02. So this is hard data supporting what we're doing. Yeah, so I want to. That's that's pretty amazing. That's a lot of um, uh, published studies, and I think you're right. We want to make sure everything that we're doing. Uh, my audience is really into peer-reviewed publications. That's very important to them. That that we're grounded in science. So it's great to hear hear all that. But here's here's a question then: with all of that science and the results that you have, and the the, the results that you have been seeing. Why don't we hear more about functional profiling? Well, actually, there's a couple of reasons, one of which is um, in the past, people tried to do this sort of thing. I mean, obviously, people want to pick drugs before they give them. They want to give their patients the best shot. The trouble is we had two errors, two scientific errors. The first was that we thought of cancer as a disease of cell growth, and that isn't the case. It turns out that cancer really uh, succeeds by survival. Cancer is a disease that survives longer, doesn't grow faster, but survives longer than other cells, and that's how it builds up into the tumors we treat. And secondly, cancer isn't a cell, but a system. There's a kind of ecology of human cancer. Mm -hmm. So you have to study the cells in aggregates, which is what I mentioned earlier. We study the actual organ of the cancer, not a cell. So if you measure cell death instead of growth, and you do it in a microenvironment like the tumor's own native state, you get a much better answer. And that's, that's yeah. slowly percolating into the literature. There are many people around the country who are reawakening to this. And I think you'll see a lot more about this in the future. That's fantastic. You know, I've always been a little more interested, too, in that ecosystem of a, of a tumor. Um, you know, again, just focusing on the, the, the cell growth cycle and, and the cancer growth um, hasn't really all been that successful for us. But we're also finding out that in that little microenvironment where that cancer lives, you can change the microenvironment and that changes how that tumor responds, grows, or even dies. So I think that's 
fascinating stuff, and I really appreciate what you're doing with the functional profiling. Where where do you think all this is going to go? What's what's the future really well, look like? As as I mentioned, we uh, we've become very interested in what we call cancer biology, or in in scientific terms, the term is phenotype. Phenotype as opposed to genotype. And cellular phenotype is the actual behavior and biology of the cell. So we became interested in what drives the phenotype, what drives the cell to stay alive, and how do they survive. And more and more, we've realized that that is metabolic. So we just published a large treatise, over 1,200 patients, where we examined the metabolic basis of breast cancer. And this was published in the August 3rd issue of OncoTarget. I'm the senior author. And in this study of 1,225 individuals, we were able to show that many cancers arise <clears throat> as, a, as a manifestation of bioenergetic changes and cellular metabolism. So when you ask who where the future is, I think that the future will be in looking in different directions, looking at cancer cells as metabolic and bioenergetic uh, cells that have to be changed not at their DNA level and not at their growth rate, but at their metabolism and energy production. And if we can do that, we'll come up with treatments that work better with less toxicity. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. This is great work that you're doing, Dr. Nagordian. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. If you want to learn more about uh, the work that my guest is doing, you can go to the com. You can also find his book there, Outliving Cancer. Once again, Dr. Nagorni, thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to Live Foreverish. For more podcasts, please visit liveforeverish.com. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.